Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. Everyone is talking about data and data issues and data quality and how big of a problem it is. In today's episode, we are going to completely disagree with that and we're going to tell you why. Enjoy. And it's starting now. As we show now we're recording. Yeah, it's red. You can see it running. Are we sure we're in focus? Well, I am. I'm a chair. <laughs> where's, where's your nice... Oh, you have the, you have the scarf on yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Virtual signal. Yeah. Cool. And we're going to talk. Which virtue are you signaling? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about one of my very, very, very strong suits, data. Strong suits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, data. We're going to talk about data. And we have some potentially different takes on this than uh, maybe many other folks. And I think really our approach is just be a bit more freaking pragmatic about this stuff. Yeah, I mean, everyone says they want to be data-driven or are yeah. data-driven. So we're going to get a bit into that. And actually, the whole reason behind covering this subject is it's absolutely key if you want to be able to build a model at some point in time. Yeah, and or if you just want to run a good company, right? It's kind of uh, both of these things are true. And I think there are multiple ways to use data. We're going to go into this. One of them, sure, an operating model, uh, which we obviously think is super important. But uh, many other reasons why... Uh, data is important and um, and some stumbling blocks in the way there. Yeah. So I uncovered some pretty good notes for us today. Well done. And I'm going <laughs> to, thank you. I'm going to use the first, the first one really from the OG Peter Drucker. Yeah. And he has this very, very, very famous saying that you can't manage what you can't measure. Yeah. And I kind of said, I really want to start pulling that one a bit apart okay together with sure you, you start <laughs> well okay i can do that it was kind of a tee up for you but that's that's totally fine so the the thing is there are things you can measure yeah and there are things you can't and does that then mean you can't manage it no does it mean you shouldn't do the things you can't measure no it, it really doesn't right no that's right i think in principle and for the 80 90 use cases or situations i think it's still a really solid advice you know uh, mm. measuring the stuff that you want to manage. And then there are things where it's a little bit more difficult, especially our dear marketing friends kind of talk about this all the time. And, and you know, my 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 way of talking about that thought, by the way, is it's usually this demand gen, hey, we're kind of running ads somewhere. There's no direct link between those two, but our direct, direct traffic and our branded search goes up. So there must be a connection here somehow between the money we deployed and, and mm. the, the outcome that we're seeing here. For me, it's, you know, again, I don't think you can com connect those two things causally and logically fully all the time. So that is kind of the, mm. hey, you can't measure this thing. But I kind of see it as, think about air 100 years ago or 200. I don't know. Air was around. Everyone needed air. If it wasn't there, everyone is dead. Yeah, yeah. But no one could measure it. No one could be like, oh, you know, I can know, I exactly know how much air is in front of me or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that was only figured out later. And, and that basically for me means all this demand and stuff, don't treat it like air. But, you know, have the method, you know, the, the metaphor in mind that, you know, maybe eventually we'll be able to, to measure it. And then we will probably fully know that there's a connection between those two. Yeah. And I guess the, the question is then really there are so many things you can measure. What really matters? What should you be measuring as a business? Because you have data for everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, you should, from a 
I mean, obviously you should manage uh, and measure your cash in the bank account and your cash flow and, you know, let's skip over these things, kind mm. of the finances. You should obviously kind of have on a, a good control. And and usually you end up having that because there are laws governing this, so you can't just not have that managed well. Winging it. Yeah. And, um, and really then the other side is, let's just say, product and your funnel. I don't think we will deep dive into the product so much today. Also don't think we are massive experts in that area specifically. But, you know, let's just say you want to measure what's going on on your commercial site, right? Mm. And there you really have, you know, the funnel itself, how that's performing. Uh, you have the, the the micro pieces, meaning, you know, sales reps and campaigns and, and projects maybe that are running. You want to probably measure those, usually for performance management reasons, right? Yeah. Hey, is this person working out? Is this campaign working out and so forth? And I think, um, you know, in addition then, to you know the micro, then you have the funnel as a macro, and then you probably want to have efficiency pieces around it as well, right? And those efficiency pieces then are basically they're called unit economics. So you know CAC payback, customer acquisition cost payback. That's usually something that you want to measure. Yeah. And you know if we take this as an example, the question there is then you really how deep do you want to go with that? Uh, because everyone everyone on this planet can measure CAC payback. It's really not that hard. And simply because uh, both of these numbers are finance-driven, and finance usually has their, you know, their shit in order. And basically it is the cost that you spend on sales and marketing mm. uh, in a quarter and the revenue that you newly acquired in that quarter. You kind of put those two into a ratio, and boom, you have your customer acquisition cost payback. Where it gets tricky is... Well, what if I want to know, um, you know, US versus EMEA? What if I want to know inbound versus outbound? And in order to take that next step, which you really need to in order to, you know, be able to improve your CAC payback, you know, just randomly cutting across the board will just leading to randomly reducing your, your revenue. So you really need to kind of peel back the onion just one more step in order to figure out, well, which channels are not working well, which channels are working well. And really, I think unit economics and CAC payback and you know lifetime value and all of these fancy metrics, bringing both the finance side and the funnel side together, I think that's kind of the the masterclass of of measuring and and what you can use data for. I mean, we could almost do an, an entire episode on the the metrics that matter. I think that's that's for another time. Uh, one of the things that keep coming up that I think we should be addressing is clean data. Yeah. This is something that surfaces again and again and again. And I know this because I have, you know, in the communities I'm in, uh, on LinkedIn, it seems to be a recurring topic. So I wanted to, to dive in a bit on this one. Is it really important to have clean data? And is the issue really that big? So, and this might be, you know, some people might be thinking this is controversial. I don't think it's so super important to have super clean data. I think there are probably different use cases. And for some, you want to have... Uh, you want to be very certain that the number that you're uh, talking about is correct. And then you have other use cases where it's totally fine that you have 80-90% correctness. Mm. And by the way, 80-90%, that's, you know, everyone is there. You know, I, I, haven't, I haven't found someone that is, you know, far off from that measure. And, and the reason why I know is, you know, on the, on the one hand side, I have never met anyone that had perfect data or that even, you know, claim to have perfect data. I have met a bunch of people that said they have terrible data, but, you know, really looking into this and, you know, seeing kind of how you can still use it, 
there was no one ever that we couldn't work with because the data was too shit, mm. right? And that kind of tells me that there's a bit of a double standard going on in, in the community about, you know, what perfect data means and what you really actually need in order to, to run a good business. Mm. And, and perfect data for me means everything is 100% across the board all the time. Every single piece is synced across multiple tools perfectly. You have... You know, maybe you have a, so, uh, a single source of truth in, in Salesforce. Some people might be laughing about that, yes. And maybe then you have a, a CDP, a customer data platform, where that maybe is the case, and mm. you've built something in between and so forth. Massive amount of work for, you know, what's the output potentially? Well, you know, even for high-level tasks, you might end up with, like, near-perfect data. But do you really need that? Mm. You know, you, you need that, and we're going to get into this a little bit. You need this for purposes like, uh, you know, letting go of someone. Yeah. You know, you sit down with a rep, you say, hey, you made so many calls, uh, you only booked so many opportunities, we told you five times, and, and now it's the end of the rope. And then, you know, what's really, and you know, that happened to me as well, what's really terrible is then the, the rep on there said, well, but that number is wrong. Yeah. I booked actually nine, and before that I booked 10, and, you know, now you're letting me go, this, you know, that is a problem yeah. that you need to avoid, but, do you really need to know on a team level of, let's just say, let's stay in the in the argument of an outbound team or SDRs, do you really need to know on a team level that it was a, a 110 or 115, mm -hmm. right? Do you really need to know on, uh, you know, a VP level, whether or not the, the VP marketing and HubSpot says 261 MQLs and the VP sales and Salesforce only sees 259 yeah. MQLs? It doesn't matter. It simply doesn't matter. And then, um, you know, having those, all of those things line up, that would be 100%, right? I totally would agree with that. But it doesn't matter for most of the conversations that basically all of us are having every single day. Yeah. So I think the point is really if, I think you had an example of if you're running a quarterly business review with a team yeah. and you're presenting a number and you go, so this is how we did. And whoever you're running the QBR with goes, well, that's not the number I have. You will in most cases find that it's the same kind of trajectory they're on. So don't get fussed about, you know, that that slight variance. So I think, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I think it goes even a little bit further than that. I think there's even a little bit of a evasive maneuver in there by, by those execs that basically are trying to throw you off or throw the conversation off by pointing out those things. Mm. And it usually works really great. It's like, hey, this number isn't right. And you say then the first three slides of the, the QBR and suddenly everyone is like, well, if, if those numbers aren't right, then we probably can skip the QBR now because you know what, what insights will there be? Yeah. Um, and I think number one is very quickly when that happens and it will happen to you. There's just no way it will happen to you is to basically shoot it down and, and focus on, uh, first of all, the what's the difference really? You know, what are you having? What are we having? If there's a 50% gap, you have a problem, right? You, you have a problem and there's probably no way around that. If the gap is, you know, 10, 15% or smaller than that, then just skip. Usually what you will find is that the trend will be the same. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, how... how and, you know, especially the VPs or the execs that know that they will come under fire in this QBR. And, you know, I'm not a fan of ambushing or something like that. But, you know, they, they might they might ask some questions about the validity of, of the argument. Mm. Um, and my, my reply back is then, well, is your data also showing that you're declining by 20%? Yes. Well, you know, then we should discuss that. Whether yeah. or not, you know, this is 
5% plus minus on either side doesn't matter. The trend is still minus 20%. And I think mm. we all agree that that's really the problem here, right? And then you kind of overcome this, you know, oh, you know, the data is the problem. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I heard Dave Kellogg talk about is the m most contentious QBR is usually the marketing one. And it's because there is so much data you can pull in. And you need to kind of find a balance for what to then focus on as to, to your point, right? If you're off by 20%, you're off. A and you need to find some very clear points where this is the focus. And I've been in a scenario quite, you know, in, in the past working with a data analyst or a data scientist, really digging into a problem and keep on going yep. until you almost get to a point where, you know, the data doesn't make sense anymore. The, you know, data analyst knows it. So when when should you start pushing back? If you're sitting in, in revenue operations or in, in the data team, when should you start saying, okay, whoa, 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 let's, let's slow down here now? Yeah, I think there's a difference between one-off deep dives mm. and, you know, recurring, we're going to look at those numbers. And I think the reason why Dave is saying that uh, the marketing QBR, MBR, those meetings are terrifying. He he meant it predominantly from a CEO founder perspective mm -hmm. because it's like all of those numbers and I don't know all of those numbers and I don't know what's important. And he basically kind of cuts it down. It's like, hey, just did they create pipeline? Yes or no? Yeah. That's, really, you <laughs> that's know, all that's, I want to know. That's really the question here. <laughs> for, for other purposes, though, I think the recurring meetings should be centered around pieces of data you could call them metrics, mm. that are leading towards revenue. That's how I would kind of look at this. Mm, so what would that be? It could be, as for some teams, it could be traffic on your website. Is that is that traffic number going up? Mm. Is is the right quality of traffic going up? You know, is branded search and direct going up or is paid social going up? Whatever. So this 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 is an important piece. If if especially if you're SMB, you will kind of look at this a lot uh, because you will probably look a lot between traffic and conversion, and you will have conversion rate optimization going on and so forth. So that number needs to go up, otherwise the leads won't go up, right? Mm. If you're a bit more mid-market enterprise, you know we'll start looking more into leads, uh, and then you know why do you look at leads? Well, because leads is highly indicative of how many opportunities you will get. Yeah. By the way, pro tip separate uh, hand raiser leads so demo request trials quote request from non-hand raisers which are you know webinars uh, white papers and so forth focus on these things and you know stay at first at the uh, volume metric level how much traffic how many leads how many opportunities broken down into the regions broken mm. down into uh, some of the different streams and use processing steps for example conversion rates or lead time between those stages and later on in the opportunity stage, ACV, so average contract value, use them as as a second order mm. uh, to explain some of the issues that are going on. Otherwise, you will confuse everyone, focus on the volume stuff, and then, you know, as a, as a next layer, peel back the onion and say the reason why we are behind here is because not the volume piece one level up is broken, but the processing between those is broken, right? Yeah. And I think one of the points you made recently was, so yes, you need to focus on revenue, but that happens very late, yeah. usually. And you need to have an indicator or step before that where you can start seeing, uh-oh, or we're, we're trailing off course here, let's, yep. let's now go and do something. So I think a lot of folks talk about, hey, you know, lagging indicators, leading indicators, and, and I know, mm. and, you know, I listen to this and it's like, okay, cool, but in the end, revenue matters, right? Yeah. The, the, way, the way I would 
try and have everyone kind of think differently about the leading indicator piece is when you see something going off on the leading indicator side, you still have time before it hits revenue, mm. before everyone sees you screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how I see it. And uh, in, in some cases, you might have three to six month time of either fixing it or preparing the organization that something is not going to work out. Yeah. Uh, recently talked to a um, VP sales, like medium company, and he was walking into Q4 and basically had to tell the organization that they're not going to hit Q4. Mm. Because he he already knew, right? So he was in Q3, he saw the opportunities, and you know Q2 was soft, Q3 was a disaster. So what do you do with the gap? You put it on Q4, but obviously Q3 really weak opportunity generation, and then you walk into Q4, and maybe you can get decent Q4 in normal ways, but not not in this one, right? And yeah. and those are the leading indicators that you should be leaning into in order to fix and course correct without anyone noticing, which is fantastic. Yeah, or you know, preparing the organization, hey, there's, you know, maybe we don't need to hire that many sales reps. So this is where there's something you can measure and you can effectively manage it at the end of the day. No, exactly. And I also think, you know, we're talking about data and data quality. I think there's one step before that, actually, which is, you know, do you do you need to measure all of that stuff? Yeah. Do you need to collect, you know, all of those pieces of information? Mm. Many times, especially, and, you know, we, we have this theme of, hey, RevOps, ditch the tool talk. Many times I feel there's, um, oh, wow, we have the Salesforce thing. We can measure everything and anything. And now we go off and try and achieve that. And let's start a big war with the AEs and the SDRs, you know, that they need to put every detail in and yeah, then we yeah. can maybe measure Please it. Please fill in this field. And, and, and the, the, the result is, first of all, they're not going to put it in. So that's an issue right there. And second of all, even if they did, would you really be able to you know, pull something useful out of that. Yeah. That that's really my question. And and many times you can actually probably skip half of the stuff that you want to look at. And the way I would approach it is what do you what do you want to use it for? Yeah. If you don't have a good answer to that, skip it. Yeah. And the 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 other way around, which is the I'm falling in love with the data approach, which is let's just measure everything, store it, and then we're going to look back and you know see patterns and, 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 and all exciting stuff. I was part of that camp for a really long time. Mm. We measured everything. Yeah. We stored it. And guess what? We never looked at it. Mm. We never looked at it. We never went back and it's like, ooh, let's look into those uh, call starts from two years ago of that SDR. No, no one cares about any of that stuff two weeks after it's over. Right? No. So really be purposeful in the data that you collect. Uh, then it's also, first of all, less data in general, but also easier to maintain, easier to get to those 80, 90, maybe even 100% of, of data quality. Uh, and then uh, really use that for a purpose that ideally, in our mind, should be revenue driving um, as, a, as a revenue operations professional. I think sometimes also, so there's two ways you can take this clean data conversation at the end of the day. There's the, you know, reporting insights trends piece. There's also, we want to automate things and we do in fact need somewhat clean data in order to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you had a close one and you want to try and resurface them over time. And so I think there's the, the tactical side that probably also takes up a lot of mental, you know, capacity, but those are tactics. I think you're right though. I think for some of these things, you simply need better data in order to try and create a process and automate something like that. Yeah. And um, we had 
we had I, I forgot the the specific example here. We had something around churn and customers, and we wanted to use some of the data to maybe even you know send emails automatically. Mm. And then we realized, hey, we, this is so high stakes to send an email like that to a customer. And we don't feel comfortable sending something like that out unless we know 99% mm. that the data is correct. Yeah. So th there are a couple of things, and you're right, uh, on the automation side where, uh, where you want to have perfect data, but that does fall into my way of describing them in terms of purpose, right? If you have yeah. a strong purpose, cool, go, let's do that. And, and again, I recently saw a post, some RevOps linkfluencer, you know, mm -hmm. someone... No, so not myself. I was kind of talking about, <laughs> uh, hey, you know, don't start a RevOps project unless blank, and then everyone should fill in, right? Yeah. And uh, and it was so hilarious. It was, I don't know, 30, 50, I was jealous, but 50 comments or something like that. Mm. And everyone was like, alignment, and, you know, you need to kind of have buy-in and, and these kind of things. I was the only one saying... Revenue impact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start the effing project if there's no revenue impact. Yeah. Um, and I think this this is the same approach you should probably have with your data. Uh, if there's if you if you can't see how to cut costs and you know cutting costs, I usually see this as you can deploy the cost somewhere else and maybe yeah. generate more cash from that. Or if it you know it helps in other ways to generate revenue, then consider maybe not doing it. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is we've we've talked a bit about some of the cases briefly mm -hmm. where you where you need perfect data. And one of the things in the the preparation was like, well, one of the places where we do need perfect data obviously is gonna be in the board. When you talk with the board and you're like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Just a common yeah. nope. Like actually, no, you don't need but so can you elaborate? Why 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 is why is that? I was a bit shocked to be honest. So first of all, maybe you you explain why you why you think it should be in the board. Well, I think so. Conversations are gonna be, hey, there's some proposals. There are some things we do need to discuss beyond just proposals. Mm. And for that discussion to be productive, we are gonna need some data yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So the truth about boards, they have usually very much removed from the actual stuff that's going on the uh, financial data. They don't really care about hundreds of thousands of euros. Sure, and like a governance oversight mm. way of is the CEO spending it in the right way. But really what they're looking at is how much money is left on the bank account and how much more time and growth does that buy us. Yeah. And that measures in the millions, not in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And then when you go into funnel data, number one, sadly, many people sitting on the board don't really fully get it, get it, and sometimes also don't fully care. I think there's a there, there's a there's a cool breed of uh, VCs that have operational operating backgrounds and yeah. then bring this in and that's helpful. And then there's a breed equally cool, I by now even think even cooler, of VCs that don't have any operating background and they just realize that and just stay out of it. Yeah. I think that's a kind of good approach. And then on the on the funnel data, number one, you know, how are they gonna cross-check that yeah you can give any number my friend any number and they will like, oh well that looks like a big number and then you move on and then even worse and i've been i've been doing this myself sometimes you might either change the metric that you show to completely confuse them or even worse you change the definition of the metric without letting anyone know 
Yeah. And and that's why, you know, on the board level, usually you end up with fairly fluffy numbers. I think everyone around the table understands that. Uh, some of that is simply due to difficulty collecting this in time. It's always a scramble, those board meetings, and you need to send it out 48 hours before and it mm. never happens and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and then there's also just... Um, so little, let's just say, uh, risk that some of this is wrong. I think where it does make a big difference is not when you're in the board, it's in the process of getting a new investor into the board. Mm. So when you go through a due diligence process, yeah. uh, you usually have, depending on the size of the transaction, you have um, you know, investment bankers on the other side, you have uh, someone like BCG, McKinsey, Bain on the other side, uh, you have uh, finance teams, where there's clearly their career depends on this on the other mm. side. And yeah, they will, they will be very, very accurate. And it's like, why is this number different than the spreadsheet that you gave us yesterday? And you know, how, why yeah. did it change? Yeah. Tell us exactly why it changed. That is, that is, that's a whole different level. You know, that's a whole different level of a conversation, but usually in the board of directors and the reporting that's going on there, usually very low fidelity. So when you go to the other side where you don't need as much you know accuracy mm. in the numbers one of the things we have we've talked about is building an operating model mm -hmm. why is it you actually don't need precise data because don't you want to be as certain as you can about being able to produce whatever revenue you aim for yeah sure i mean better is always better in that sense right i think there there are two approaches one is you know, what do you really want to get out of it and what can give you that information without needing all the details? So mm -hmm. one thing that we have actually discovered is you don't need to know all the specific MQL definitions and, you know, opportunity, you know, what is where, when in the stages and the funnel and all of that stuff. What you need is the pillars of your funnel. Mm. And depending on where you start, the pillars are, Traffic on Google Analytics, which is, you know, being outlawed in, in Europe, apparently. You have unique users or something like that, I mm, think it's called. Yeah. You know what? You can't change that definition. You you, you cannot. So it's un... It's, it's unscrewable. <laughs> R-rated, rated R, rated, yeah. It's unscrewable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the same for lead created. Yeah. And the lead creation might still have, hey, is it a demo? Is it a, is it a uh, white paper? Is it a webinar? Yeah can't really screw with the lead creation yeah because again all of those are system fields you will have a lot of fun playing around with the mql stuff but i'll get to that in a second you can't screw around much with the opportunity creation and salesforce mm. and the date stamp and all of that stuff you can't uh, again you will have uh, attribution pretty quickly on outbound inbound and so forth that's really then important and then you i i suppose you could probably screw around with the opening closed one definition in salesforce I haven't seen anyone yet doing that though. It's like it's closed one when there's a signature and or when there's a PO or we got a verbal, yeah, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff, but not, oh, this means it now progresses to next stage or something. It's it's usually not that. Yeah. And then the last step of your funnel is is revenue. And revenue by default is something, you know, people have different definitions of ARR and churn mm -hmm. and how you, you know, calculate that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's your money in the bank account. And uh, it's to a degree, a derivative of that is, you know, what you're putting on your profit and loss statement. Mm. Usually people have this under control, right? Uh, so if, if those are your pillars, then now, you know, filling it in between, you might have an MQL piece. And the MQL piece, 
might just indicate some things, but it's really just a reporting on the lead stage because really what you're talking now about is, you know, lead to op conversion rate, that is fixed because lead creation, opportunity creation. Yeah. If you now insert a fluffy MQL piece in the middle, you basically have a, a drop-off conversion rate from lead to MQL and then MQL to op. If you redefine the MQL, you're really just changing the conversion rates between lead to MQL yeah. and MQL to op. And, you know, the list goes on for, for tweaks like that. And, and then really the important piece, which everyone has under control, are the different, we call it dimensions, so the segments that are important to you, which might be uh, the different markets you're operating on, which might be uh, inbound, outbound partnerships, and so mm. forth, right? So whatever is important for you as an organization, what we found is also what you have managed kind of nicely in your CRMs. Yeah. So I guess the point is there's there are certain areas where you just can't mess it up. It what what is what number is produced? Yep. You can you can believe in you can actually use it, and that will get you far enough. Yep. At the end of the day, so so don't get too fussed about data quality. Don't overwhelm yourself with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of data points. It's back to the purpose, as you said. What is it you are trying to achieve? Yes. And then go and do it. And be pragmatic about it. And you know, does does getting from ninety to one hundred percent. Does that change the impact on revenue? Mm. If that is true for you and your organization, go and spend that time. If it's not true for you and your organization, then don't spend the time. Spend the time on something else. Yeah, something that drives revenue. Wonderful. Nice. This was a bit technical, actually. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know I had it still in me, Miko. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. But it was nice, and we have, you know, a new sign kind of illuminating our studio, which is wonderful. You know, we uh, we can light up your revenue engine. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's a bit corny. You, you need to work on your marketing chops, my friend. Let's see about that. Okay. But thank Wonderful. you, Tony. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, dear listener. Thanks, I hope you enjoyed listening. it. Yep. Bye. Bye.